And, um, but it's been great to have them as part of the leadership team supporting us. And, you know, Sam, from his experience leading church in Ghana, uh, is a great blessing to us. And we've really valued having them with us. So um, please honour Sam as he comes to the stage to speak to us. Thank you, Steve. And um, good morning, everyone. It's... Um, it's a real joy to get to speak to you guys again. Um, it's always a privilege. I think the last time I, I spoke, it was on New Year's Day. I did something on faith. And um, uh, it looks like my name, Sam, spelled backwards, spells faith. And so I've been asked to speak on faith again. Um, we'll be continuing our, our series on Abraham. And um, this morning I'll be doing uh, something on faith for the impossible. I still don't know why they gave me that. Maybe they should have given it to Andrew or Steve or something. I don't know why they gave that to me because it's a, it's a bit of a dicey subject. But we can trust that as we, uh, we turn to God's word this morning, God will give us wisdom. I like it when we don't fully understand things and we say, well, we acknowledge the fact that we do not understand it and then we turn to God. God comes through and um, he helps us. Uh, today, the Sith is also a very special uh, day for us. It's actually our Sith anniversary. So, yay! Um, I, I still remember meeting my in-laws for the first time they are here. Uh, well, I planned in advance to share this anyway, but I didn't, I didn't know at the time they were coming here, but I think I'll just go ahead. And I remember just having, I remember having butterflies in my tummy because I just didn't know what to expect. So obviously their daughter had just been out in Ghana. The next thing they knew, their daughter wanted to get married to somebody they had never met. Um, and so I remember going down to the airport with Claire to pick them. Uh, and up until Claire said, there they are, I had been fine. Once Claire went, oh, there are my parents. I thought, oh, no, not now. <laughs> and I, I, I still remember the first thing Kevin said. He looked at me and then he said, welcome to the family. I thought, oh, that's very encouraging. <laughs> and then Liz said, Oh, in our family, we like to do lots of hugs. So come on, give me a hug. I thought, okay, it's a done deal. You know, no problems <laughs> at all. That was really good. Anyway, I'd want us to pray together and then we can delve into God's word. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm forever grateful to you. And I'm forever grateful for the cross. And I'm forever grateful to you that you came to seek and save the lost. And I'm forever grateful to you. And I'm forever grateful for the cross. And I'm forever grateful to you that you came to seek and save the lost. Yeah, Jesus, we are ever indebted to you. 
thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to seek us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for forgiving every sin. Thank you for just bringing us into your family. We want to thank you that you've called us to trust you. Thank you that you've called us to walk with you. And Jesus, as we turn to your word this morning, I just want to ask that you will bless the preaching and the teaching of your word. I pray, God, that your light shines through every word that is spoken. And Father, my prayer is that the faith levels will rise again this morning. Faith levels will rise again this morning. Like the songwriter writes, it says, when we see you, we have strength to face the day. And so would you reveal yourself to us again? We thank you, Jesus, because you always hear us and you come to us. Amen. All right. So you, you got your Bibles. You want to please stand with me to, uh, to the book of Genesis and to Genesis chapter 17. I would try how to stick to the passages I've been giving, um, I guess, for time purposes as well. So Genesis chapter 17. I had to hide my notes from our boys because I didn't want a situation where I came back and they had binned them or anything. Thankfully, I've got them here. Well, if you have been uh, coming in in the last couple of weeks, we've been um, just doing a series on Abraham. This is the, uh, the third that we'll be doing. And in the first one, we were... Alet helped us beautifully to, again, engage uh, with, with, with truth and just see the fact that Faith as it is, is simply a response to the promises of God and then to God himself. So it's not something that we, we force ourselves to have, but it's simply a response to the promises of God and then God. And he helped us see how God called Abraham from amongst his people and then sent him to a land that, you know, initially he didn't know about, but he responded and he stepped out. And I find the story of Abraham quite exciting because I, I, I identify with that in quite a bit because for Claire and myself, we felt God call us from amongst that people and then move us here for a season. So th- there actually are some similarities. So I get really excited about Abraham. And then in the second uh, week, we also were held by Andrew to beautifully see Abraham as a father. And I think the key thing in there was him helping us see that as a result of our union with Jesus Christ, Abraham becomes our father. And his promises, the promises God made to Abraham, we get to inherit that as well through our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this morning, I want to focus on the whole subject of faith for the impossible. Now, I am aware that it is not the easiest of subjects to deal with because ultimately speaking, our walk with God is a walk of faith. And I want to say to us that from beginning to the end, God calls us to trust in him. He doesn't just call us to trust in him for two weeks and then we give up. From beginning to the end, There's a call from God to trust him. So every day of our lives, God calls us to trust him. In the good times, he calls us to trust him. In the bad times, he calls us to trust him. So I have seen God move powerfully in our lives. He's done amazing things for us. 
We have cried out to God in prayer and we've said, God, only you can do this. In fact, I'll be sharing some testimonies later on. Only you can do this. And God has come through and he has answered. We have jumped, we have celebrated, we have danced, and we have said thank you to God. I have also found myself in situations where we have cried out to God, we have fasted, we have prayed, and the situation still persists. Do I therefore stop trusting God? No. Trusting God is from beginning to the end. And so I keep going. Now, as I stand before you now, it was um, in March 2015, I was diagnosed with a, a funny tummy problem. I came to God, I'm like, God, and you are my healer. I prayed, I cried out to God, even though they said because of the problem it was, you should eat all the time. I even fasted, I prayed again. Well, ask me, the problem still persists. Do I therefore stop trusting God? No. My hope is that God has power to do what he says he will do. And so until God says to me, okay, Sam, I cannot do this one, I will continue to trust. And I know that there never will come a day where God says, I cannot do this one because there's nothing that God cannot do. But even though God hasn't done it, I continue to trust in him. God calls us to trust in him. Remember, from beginning to the end, not only when things are going well. And so in this passage, I want to read from Genesis 17. As we get into Abraham's story from Genesis 17, from verse 15, I'll just read a couple of verses and then we'll do some talking. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Verse 17. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. God is so kind, isn't he? I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. It's just helpful to understand the context of this passage. So obviously, Abraham had been promised by God that he was going to be the father of a great nation or the father of nations. And this blessing was going to come about through him ultimately having a child or having a son, as we discover in Genesis chapter 12. But it is clear from these verses that Abraham had been struggling to believe this. In fact, he had already taken things into his own hands by having a child with his wife's servant. So... Abraham 
spells out clearly the fact that at this point in time, he had given up on God. So this is where we pick up the story. And before we actually push through these verses that I read to us, I just want us to go back to the beginning of chapter 17 and discover something that I feel is key and instrumental to everything I'll be saying this morning. And I wouldn't want us to miss that. All right. So in in the same chapter, chapter 17, in verse 1, when Abraham was 99, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. I am God almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Before God would spell out what his promises were, he wanted Abraham to know clearly who was doing the talking. And this is actually in this narrative, this is the first and only time God addresses himself as the Lord Almighty. And it's very, very important that we understand why God said this. Because in the Hebrew, the Lord Almighty means El Shaddai. And God wanted to highlight some key things for Abraham by calling himself the Lord Almighty. Well, Almighty implies that God has all the power. Amen. He has all the power. The other thing wanted him to know, uh, God wanted Abraham to know was this. That him calling himself Almighty, he wanted to highlight the fact that there was nothing he could not do. Three things I want to highlight for us from God calling himself Almighty. One, he, God, cannot be stopped. That's the first thing. God Almighty, the Lord Almighty, El Shaddai, I cannot be stopped. Secondly, God does whatever he pleases. All right? And then the third thing, God's power is superior to all other powers. So he starts off from there. I want you, Abraham, to know this about me, that I cannot be stopped, Abraham. I want you to know this about me, that I do what pleases me, Abraham. I want you to know this about me. My power is superior and greater to all other powers. So Abraham, just know who is speaking to you, just in case you had forgotten. This promise is coming from the Lord Almighty. And guys, when we come in here and engage with God, guess who we are engaging with? We are also engaging with the Lord Almighty. When we come in here to to engage with God, we are engaging with a God who cannot be stopped. When we come in here to engage with God, we are engaging with a God whose power is greater than all. And so, when we lift our voices in worship, remember we are worshiping the greatest of all. Hallelujah. He is mighty. We haven't just come to some God. No, he is the Lord Almighty. So, just in case Abraham had forgotten, God thought, let me just chip that in before I even say anything. And then God goes down to the promise. My first point here is about God's promise to Abraham. 
This is the first thing he says. In verse 15, he says, God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. Then God says, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. Now, I want you to also note the progression of God's promise to Abraham. He says first to Sarai, he says, I will give you or give her a son. He says, I would give her a son. Abraham at this point is thinking, well, God, you've said that before. God is so kind. He comes through again in verse 19 just to reassure Abraham in verse 19. Then God said, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. Just in case you are not happy with just a son to help you see that I am able to do what I say I will do. That son will be called Isaac. I want to reassure you, Abraham, you will not just have a son, but he will be called Isaac. And then as though that wasn't enough, in verse 21, God again says to Abraham, he says this, But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. That's amazing, isn't it? You would have a son. Okay. He will be called Isaac, even better, and he will be born same time next year. There was a progression in God's promise to Abraham, and God's reason was this. He wanted to reassure Abraham that he was faithful from beginning to the end. Let's look at Abraham's response. It wasn't the best, was it? (laughs) Verse 17. Abraham fell face down. I was expecting worship. Thank you, Lord. I am trusting you all my days. The Bible says he laughed. That's not a good one. And he said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. It it wasn't the response I would have expected. But come to think of it, Abraham was responding this way because of his circumstances. 24 years had passed. Now, without God fulfilling his promise. Because the first time God mentions about him becoming the father of nations was actually when Abraham was 75. And now the Bible says to us that Abraham was 99. So after 24 years. So when you're trusting God for something and two weeks go by and he hasn't done it, please. No, there's no need to worry. 24 years. How many can endure? 24 years. Often, after one week, I'm going, oh, God, you please, come on, you should be hearing me. After a few days, I'm going, I'm I'm fretting, I'm getting anxious. God, come on, 24 years. We've got lots of learning to do. Well, Abraham laughs at the promise because it seemingly had no value. God had said it before. In fact, 24 years earlier, God said it. 
that you would, you would become the father of nations. But there was no sign. And remember, the Bible makes a good point about the fact that they were getting old. And listen, when the Bible says you are old, chances are you are very old. He'd been waiting 24 years. I read an amazing story of a, a rather unusual plant. It's called the Chinese bamboo. And um, apparently, when you first uh, grow this plant, when you sow the seeds of the Chinese bamboo, first year, nothing. Second year, nothing. Third year, nothing. Fourth year, nothing. Fifth year, in the space of five weeks, it shoots up to 80 feet. <laughs> First year, nothing. Second year, nothing. Third year, nothing. Fourth year, nothing. Fifth year, in five weeks, 80 feet. And some apparently can grow up to 90 feet. Now, the farmers who grow the Chinese bamboo if they didn't know, they probably would just fret and say, oh, well, this thing is it's not going to happen, and then turn their backs and then walk away. But they have come to know that sometimes with faith, it actually requires a lot of waiting and trusting that in the fifth year, it would shoot out. And in five weeks, something that previously did not exist shoots up. 80 feet. That's amazing. So when God asks us to wait, well, I know I wouldn't stand here and pretend as though it's easy. No. I mean, I have been in situations like that. I know it is not easy. But remember, we're trusting from beginning to the end. Why does God wait so long? Does the fact that God wait till Abraham and Sarah are as good as dead, like Hebrews says, you know, to give them a child, explain the wait at all? Well, I believe God waits until it is impossible, then he does the impossible, so that no one is confused about his role in the matter. In our helplessness, God steps in and he reveals his power. Everything for Abraham and Sarah said, not possible. Not possible. Like sometimes people would say, it was against all odds. And for us, again, we tend to sometimes when we find ourselves in situations like that where it seems impossible, we tend to then concentrate on what we can do rather than what God can do. And I am discovering more and more that as God's children or as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should never limit God to our understanding. Because when you do, God would always be outside of the picture. We think this is how it ought to work. And so therefore, that is how God should do it. But his ways are not our ways. And so we should never limit God to our understanding. We should rather, in situations like that, ask God to help us see things from his perspective. Because God might be seeing something completely different from what we are seeing. 
And you see, the more we focus on the challenge or the problem, the bigger and greater it becomes. As we lift our focus to God, he is exalted above the problem. So rather than focus, I'm not saying don't think about it. Obviously, you've got to be wise. Don't sit back and say, oh, God will do it. No. But we look to God and we trust that he will come through for us. I remember uh, sometime last year, prior to us coming out, obviously, uh, my wife Claire had been offering a job. And so we had some time constraints and we needed we needed to get our, our younger son a passport. It had just suddenly come up and we needed to do it. And so we put in an application and they said to us, Claire needed to be here in the UK for beginning of uh, September. They said to us, it will be next year, sometime in January or February. Because you needed to go for an interview. And honestly, the questions were ridiculous. Because we had we'd gone through that for our first son. So they said it would be sometime next year. We thought, oh, this is going to be a bit of a challenge. And Claire had, you know, at this point said yes to the job. And they had said, are you able to start at this time? She said yes. So we thought, okay, this is a faith project. We'll bring this up to God and trust that God will come through. Everything said impossible. They said the best we can do for you is next year in January or February. We then spoke to uh, one of our friends who used to work with a, a British High Commission in Accra. And then she said to us, well, just write a letter. She said, they don't normally do this, but just write a letter. Go there and then explain your circumstances to them. So we did a letter. We drove to the British High Commission. We handed in the letter. The lady there said, um, just like our friend said, we don't normally do this, but I will pass it on to our boss anyway. Well, Claire and myself could only just pray and trust that God will. So we had limited time for this thing to come through. And usually this thing takes around about three or four months. Praying about it, trusting that God will come through. Then we got, a, we got an email saying, oh, we have actually arranged for you to have an interview. We thought, Oh, that's good. So we went in, had the interview, and then they said, well, we are not too sure when you would hear from us. I, I don't often like that when they say, we don't know when you would hear, because you're thinking, okay, it might be a year's time, you know. But we just kept trusting God and just asking that God will come through for us. It was really tight. Guess what? We got another email saying, oh, actually, you know, the passport has been processed and all that. You can come and collect. Like, yes! And I was aware lots of guys here were also praying for us. And God came through just at the last minute when it felt like this one, we, there's nothing we can do in our own power. You, you know that feeling. You get there and then you just know you can only go this far. There's nothing more we can do, then God comes through. I had an amazing testimony just a few weeks back. Some friends of ours who live in London, and they had been trying to buy this, this flat. And um, they looked at their finances and they said to them, sorry, not a chance, just go away, you know. And so the flat they were wanting to buy was actually taking off the market. I don't know whether somebody bought it or what, but they kept, they were saying, God, this is, this is a real opportunity for us. We really want this. A few months down the line, they realized that the property had come back onto the market. So they went again. They said to them, no, you're not in good standing with your finances. So again, away with you. They came back again. And guess what? 
suddenly the story just changed. These same people who said to them, away with you, came chasing them and saying, oh, would you like the flat? And they turned around and said, really? We still are in the same place financially. Oh, yeah, they said, listen, even if you don't want it, we'll still keep it until you say to us, sell it off, we no longer want it. These same people who were saying to them, away with you, they came running after them. And so my friend and his wife go, obviously they drag their feet a bit and they go, yes, of course we want it, you know. And they got it. And I sit back and I'm like, yes, just, just when it seems impossible, because everything said impossible, God came through. Abraham had been struggling. It is very clear that Abraham wavered in his faith. So at one point he trusted, the next minute he had doubts. And I also want to say to us that obviously from Abraham's answer, we can discover that he was in a place where he was about giving up on God because he had waited a very, 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 very long time. I don't think he gave up completely on God, but I believe that he was in a place where he was about to give up. Because when you read the rest of the story, well, we can actually discover that Abraham made a kind of a U-turn. He came back because he never complains again. And when God engages with him and then raises the whole issue of having a son again, we never hear him complain until God actually gives them a son. And so even though Abraham wavered in his faith, he, I believe, came round again. And it's the same again with us. I mean, many of us, we, we struggle. Sometimes we go backwards and forwards. Now, this is my question. Does our lack of faith negate God's promises? Well, the answer is no. Our lack of faith or doubt is not what makes God's promises true or false. Shall I say that again? Our lack of faith or doubt is not what makes God's promises true or false. They are true because God who is true has spoken them. That's what makes them true. But you see, having said this, we don't want to remain in a place of doubt. No, we want to jump on board and trust God and believe him for his promises and claim them. This is what somebody says about faith and doubt. He says, doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes. Faith answers I. And I think that's brilliant. You know, faith keeps coming again and again and again. And finally, the guarantee. Is that going to come up? Yeah, I'm I'm right on time. God didn't just give Abraham and Sarah a promise. He also gave them a guarantee. And we, we read this in chapter 18, verse 14. But prior to that, the Bible tells us that 
Abraham had some visitors come to see him. And it's interesting to note the Bible starts off from chapter 18 and says the Lord appeared to Abraham and then describes three men. But for me, the thing that caught my attention was the fact that even though God had still not fulfilled this promise, Abraham was beginning to look to God again. And so it says that soon as he saw the three men, he tries to get their attention. He shows hospitality. He invites them in. He washes their feet. He says to them, you know, I'd like to, you know, I'd like you guys to settle down and have a meal with us. And then he runs to, to find Sarah. And then he says, can you get some bread ready? And then he himself goes to get one of, you know, uh, the cows. And then he, he, he prepares some food for these guys. And I feel it teaches some, some it teaches something about how we can actually carry ourselves as we wait for God to fulfill his promises. While Abraham was waiting, he continued to serve God faithfully. While Abraham was waiting, he continued to linger in the presence of God. It says that as the three were eating, the Bible says Abraham was standing near And I believe it was for a reason, so that if they said something, he could get it. So he didn't turn his back and say, well, God hasn't done it. God hasn't done it. No, he did that initially, but it's very clear that at this point, he was beginning to hover around these three who clearly were some kind of representation of God. And he stayed close. It says Abraham stood near them as they spoke. And guess what they said next? Where is your wife, Sarah? At this point, Abraham could have said, oh, not that again, not that, no, not that again. It was a point of tension for him. Anytime this thing about a child came up, it shook him. But this time around, he just goes and then he goes to find Sarah. And so in verse 18, it says uh, from verse 10, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about the same time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed. I don't know whether she got it from her husband. Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? And again, Abraham doesn't say anything. He's listening. Then they go on. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year. And Sarah will have a son. I love that. God comes through and he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I have said it. I will do it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Abraham must have been listening. He didn't say a word, God, and please just do it, just do it, just do it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Why is God able to say this? I think I shared from the very beginning because he is almighty. Because he has all the power. And so he's able to make such a declaration. And as we fast forward to chapter 21, first few verses in chapter 21, I'd like to read that to us. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant 
and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Well, we discover from these verses that God often has a timetable, doesn't he? It says, at their appointed time. And I I love the story of Hannah because the Bible says to us in 1 Samuel, it says to us, God remembered Hannah. It wasn't as though God had forgotten Hannah, but it was very much a thing of, obviously, the appointed time coming. And God saying, this is the time, this is when you walk in my blessing. And he comes through and he gives Hannah a son. And it was the same for Abraham and Sarah. They had to wait for their appointed time. For them, it took several years. Sometimes the appointed time is after a day or two. Sometimes the appointed time is a week. Sometimes the appointed time is in a few months. Sometimes the appointed time is after many, 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 many many years. But remember, we keep trusting. We keep walking with God. Jesus never promises that this life will be easy. Somebody says the Christian life is not like a battle. It is a battle. And every day we are waging war. Every day we are fighting. Every day we are pushing through. Sometimes you're knocked to this side. Other times to that side. Sometimes you're knocked to the ground. You get up and you continue walking. Remember, you're walking with Jesus every step of the way. And so we continue to trust. Our lives are in his hands. And we look to him at all times. God came through for these guys. Well, to finish off, I want to just say this to us. That many years back, God promised us a savior. And this savior was in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. That the Savior will come into our world and he would come and die for us. Well, did God fulfill that promise? Yes, he did. And the Bible says to us that when the Savior came, many people rejected him. But as many as believed in him, as many as looked to him, he gave the right to become children of God. Sometimes we look at our own situations and we say like Abraham and Sarah, it is impossible for the love of God to reach me. I am so dead in my sins and in my transgressions, it is impossible for God to reach me. Well, the reason why God sent his son was so that he would come and save us from our sins. So no one is beyond reach. No one is beyond reach. No situation is beyond the reach of God. You can look at your own situation and say, I am such a terrible person. I do not deserve the love of God. But guess what? God says, I still love you anyway. I still love you. And I sent my son for you as well. 
No matter where you have been, what you have done. I love the story of the lady who was caught in adultery. Everybody is getting ready to stone her. And then Jesus says, well, if there's one amongst you who has never sinned, you have the first go. Interesting how the Bible puts it. It says, the men left first. I'm not sure why it says that, but it says, the men obviously left first. And then, and then Jesus then turns to this lady and says, has no one condemned you? She says, no. Jesus looks at her with grace in his eyes and in his voice. He says, well, go and sin no more. Grace coming through. And that same savior, Jesus Christ, is here today. And so if you are far from him, well, I'd want to say to you, at the end of this, this meeting, please come and find, you know, one of us here in front. Let's talk about that. Finally, how can we grow in this faith that we have been talking about? I want to say to us simply, well, make it a point to get to know God more. All right. When you, when you, you know somebody, you spend quality time with them. It's not just a surface thing. When you're getting to know somebody, you call them regularly, you email them, you catch up for a tea or a coffee, you make the effort, you you really want to get to know them, all right? It's the same with God. If we're going to grow in our faith, which is ultimately a response to God and his promises, we have to get to know God. How do we get to know God more? Well, he has revealed himself in the Bible. You spend quality time in there, God speaks to you. You spend quality time in there, God reveals himself to you. So, read the Bible. Spend quality time reading the Bible. I struggle to remember Bible passages. So, what I often do is I write them out on little pieces of paper. And what I've done, I'll just stick them to the wall. And then I see them every day. Especially when I'm, I'm grappling with something, trusting God for something and it's not happening. Or seeking to really go all out and it's not happening. I see these promises and I am reminded again of where God stands in relation to this. I also want to say spend quality time with God. And of course his people like we're doing this morning. We gather, we celebrate God, we celebrate one another. And um, as we're going to be starting connect groups as well. Again, another context for us to get to know God and spend quality time with him. And then finally, is there something we're trusting God for? Well, I want to say to us, bring them to God. Not, not to me. I can't, I can't do them. But bring, bring, bring them to God. Bring them to God. Dig into his word. Find promises. And then say, like I think it was when um, John Grove spoke here, when he spoke about the prayer of faith. He said, speak these things back to God. Lord, you said in your word, you said you would heal the sick. This is what you say in your word. Would you please, in your mercy, reach out to me and bring healing? You said you would provide for our needs. Would you please, Lord, I am crying. I bring these promises back to God. The prayer of faith. Whatever it is, whatever it may be, I have learned one thing. For the rest of my days, I want to fully rely on God. For the rest of my days, 
I want to trust in God. I want to put my all in his hands. Like they say, put all of your eggs in. Because you know what? He is the only one who will never fail. Human beings will. Even the people who love us, they sometimes will fail us. But God never will. Shall we stand together? Uh, Maybe the band could please come up. Yeah, Steve, I didn't do too bad. 30 minutes, because I was going to go for four hours, but yes, it's a very Ghanaian thing, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly, I'm learning. I think I'm a quarter English now. I'm slowly, I'm learning. <laughs> and what, what I want us to do, two things, um, really. I, I just ask the, the guys, lead us. I, I just would want us to come to God with whatever thing it is we're trusting him for. You, you tell God. Just tell God about it in faith this morning and let him know that you are trusting him and him alone. Just tell God about it. It's, it's great when you're very honest with God. I remember one time saying to God, God, what I really want to do is slap that person, but I won't. Sometimes it's not, it just, because the person had really angered me and I, I, I was very honest with God. I said, I know that wouldn't honor you. So help me not even think that. Honest prayer. No pretense. God, I am really struggling with this thing at the minute. I am struggling to even trust you. God loves that. Just be honest with God. Lord, I am struggling with ill health. My tummy continues to trouble me every day, Lord. Take this away from me, Lord. Please come through. Nothing. Go again. Nothing. Go again. Nothing. So in all honesty, we want to, we want to just come to God. You know what the, what the situation is. If you don't have any problems at all, praise the Lord. Look out for somebody who does and then pray for them. And say, oh, you share with me and I'll, I'll gladly come on board. And, you know, so whatever it is in faith as the band plays... That's your soul. You don't, you don't have to lift your voice in the quietness of your heart. Tell God about it. And tell it as it is. All right? Tell it as it is. You're having, you're having difficulty in your marriage. That's, that's, just say it. Tell God. The fact that you're a Christian doesn't mean that you don't have issues in your marriage. All right? Tell God. You're having problems raising your kids. The fact that you're a Christian doesn't mean that you shouldn't tell God as it is. You're trusting God for this one or that one. He hasn't yet come through. Tell God. You are struggling to trust him. Tell it as it is. Maybe we can all close our eyes and then just engage with God for a few minutes. You and God. You just just engage with God. All right? Maybe you're trusting God for healing, for a relation. You're trusting God for just a miracle here or there. You, you just engage God. And just in the quietness of your heart, you just tell God. Just reach out to him. The Holy Spirit is here. Thank you, Lord. Just breathe on us. Just reach out to him in faith this morning. Let him know you're holding on to him. Let him know that he's the only one who can do it. Let him know you believe he can do it.
lives. Reach out. Reach out. Reach out this morning. He is the Lord Almighty. Whew. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Breathe on us. Breathe on us. Breathe on us. Let the faith levels begin to rise this morning. Let the faith levels begin to rise this morning. Not because we are doing anything, but simply because we choose to trust in you. We choose to trust in you. And Father God, I just want to pray for every situation this morning. Let your light shine into every situation. Let the darkness flee, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would step into every boat and speak calm to every storm in the mighty name of Jesus. Let every wind and storm quieting down. Jesus, we look to you. I just want to pray particularly for those who are trusting you for a spouse to actually come to you in faith. I pray, Father God, that you would hear their cry and bring salvation. I pray, Father God, for those who are trusting you for healing, that you would heal because you are our healer. I pray, Father God, for those who are trusting you to restore that you would bring restoration, you would restore, you would rebuild. Father Lord, for the many other things that have come to you this morning, thank you that you are bigger and greater than all our difficulties, all our challenges, all our problems. There is nothing you cannot do. And this morning, Lord, I pray, hear the cry of your people. Answer us, oh God. Oh, just help us look to you at all times. And indeed, Father, as we see you, may we find strength to face the day. When, Father Lord Jesus, the delays come, may we continue to trust in you. When we don't get the answers we want, may we continue to trust in you. Because like your word says to us, you work things out, all things for our good anyway. And I just pray, God, help us set these truths before us, set these promises before us and help us trust you all our days. And Lord, for those who also need to respond to you this morning, I just pray, God, that you would just stir their hearts. And help them make that step of running to you as you open your arms and embrace them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.